Hello, and welcome to the Small Business Sewing Podcast. Join host Kathleen, that's me, from Sunny Mountain Patterns, and Brandilyn from Daily Sews and Stuff, and guest experts as we discuss how to run successful sewing businesses, innovations in sewing, and ways to make more money doing what you love. Today we're covering optimizing your crafting sewing space. Kathleen is an industrial engineer and comes with a lot of knowledge of how to set up an optimal workspace. I'm a bit of an organizational freak who never gets to keep things organized due to the other four people who live in my home, and I've moved way too many times. So we come with a lot of knowledge about how we set up our own rooms and some ideas for how you might want to set up your own space. We're not giving specific guidelines just because everyone's space needs and what they have is different, just things to think about. Uh, We're here today because it's been a bit since we've had any episodes because we're doing seasons and we thought we would be starting uh, season two already recording, but life got in the way. (laughs) We are not. We both uh, move or moving. I'm in the middle of moving. Brandlin's just moved to a new place. So we thought it would be appropriate to talk about how to lay out your sewing space since we're both going through that right now. Yes. And oh my goodness, it has been the least smooth process for both of us. And we're both doing it with little kids, by the way. Yes. And so we're done with the big moving part and we're into the settling in part and you are just entering the big moving parts and it's a yeah lot. we have oh my god we have so much junk yes. <laughs> that's actually maybe what we should start off with is like if you want to redo your space I didn't write down my outline but start getting rid, rid of, of getting junk. rid of some stuff yeah. I know that everybody hey, that or move yeah <laughs> Uh, and actually do the moving yourself. Don't pay someone else to move because then you don't realize how much junk you have. Uh, I know a lot of us love to have stashes of fabric. Like I, I probably spend more time trying to mat. Oh my gosh, Brent, if you can't, you're not watching the video, Brandlin's moving her uh, camera over to see her stash of fabric. I, that's really nice, by the way, the setup. She's got a whole like cubby hole from Ikea. Yes. Which is funny because she, her husband's a carpenter and she has to buy stuff from Ikea. I do. It's the only way I get anything. The carpenter's <laughs> children have no shoes. The carpenter's, the carpenter's wife, wife has, has no furniture. No, yes. Yes. <laughs> so uh, Ikea is great. If you have it available, I don't. Hawaii doesn't have Ikea here. Um, but the idea is what helps you start organizing is unfortunately, you're gonna to have to go through the junk you already have and sort out things you're not gonna use anymore. So I spent a lot of time trying to figure out spacing and try to use fabric the most efficient way, which if you're a production sewer, that might make sense because that cuts into your profits. But if you're just like me, a hobby sewer, and you, or you do sewing tutorials, for example, that's probably not the best use of your time, because what are you going to do? What am I going to do with a quarter yard of corduroy? So there <laughs> I'm just are, gonna have a bunch of that sitting around. There are some really good patterns and ideas for using up scraps of fabric. Um, but but you time, have to store them in order to do that. And then yeah. be willing, like you said, to spend the time to do it, to make those things. Um, one of the things that I've been trying to do and I still, I still end up throwing away a lot of fabric that I could save to do this for, mostly out of habit, but um, cutting them up and using them as stuffing. And uh, Oh, that's a good idea. In the old days, apparently they called it cabbage whenever you were saving your, your fabric. 
And uh, oh. there's a, a YouTuber Somewhere. called Bernadette Banner, and she's like super into not only Victorian and Edwardian history and sewing, but also into being very sustainable and ecologically conscious. And so she says when she's cutting up her cabbage that she's making coleslaw. Which, by the way, if you follow Bernadette Banner, or if you are indeed Bernadette Banner listening to this on the off chance you're <laughs> listening to our little brand new podcast, uh, we would love to have her on. Really um, awesome storytelling. Yeah, it's her, her videos are amazing. Anyway, so back to the original topic. Yes, sorry. Go through what you've already got and try to get rid of what you what you don't need or you're not going to use. You can donate it. You don't have to just throw it away. Or you can yeah. sell it on Craigslist or a Facebook Marketplace. Or I think on Facebook uh, groups, there's a couple of that will let you do destash uh, listings or posts. The pieces I throw away well. are generally really, really small and not and not terribly usable. Not terribly usable. Uh, but, if, uh, if, but yeah, oh, if you, you have the bigger pieces, stuff. yeah, that's definitely, definitely do a destash. I mean, if it's stuff that you're not going to use, um, why hold on to it? Because you're taking up more space. So that might actually help you in figuring out what your layout, what type of layout you want by I think too, uh, getting rid of things. I think too, it helps to think about what you actually plan to sew. Like I got rid of a lot of fabric whenever I started packing up my craft room. Um, stuff that I bought that I still think is a pretty color, that I still think is a nice texture, that I still like, but I realized that's not, not the kind of fabric it. I sew. Right. And or you're not going to, you're so, not practically going to wear it or doesn't right. yeah. fit with. Anyway, why am I interrupting you? You pretty <laughs> much summed it up. You, you had a great point. Yeah. It just, it makes sense to keep things that you're actually going to use. And if, if you're not going to use it, but it's still really pretty, those are the fabrics that you're going to do the best with de-stashing to someone else. If it's, They're more likely to want it. Right, exactly. If it's a very faded piece or if it's a very old piece or... A know, questionable fabric content. Yeah, those maybe you're not going to de-stash quite as easily, but those you could cut up and use as stuffing. You could... A lot of people um, use those kinds of fabrics to make stuffing for dog beds and donate them to um, to shelters. Shelters, thank you. That was the word I couldn't come up with. Yes. Um, so there's there's ideas of things to do with these, but like Kathleen said earlier, that's going to take up time, and you're going to have to actually decide you want to do that. And I'm going to say this, and you know, Kathleen might disagree with me vehemently, but that's okay. It's okay to throw some stuff away. Like, I disagree. <laughs> no, it's okay to throw things away. Um, I, I feel bad about it because I'm like, I know, I know how much fabric is in landfills. And I and know how much work already went into making fabric, but sometimes it's not usable. Exactly. But, but if you're really not going to use it and it's not going to de-stash easily, just throw it away. Get it out of your space. Move on without it. Or if it's a, enough amount, you could always donate it to Goodwill or Salvation Army. Yeah. Just, but the little tiny scraps, probably not. Um, but that's, I think, where you need to start first because you need to you need to have know how much you need to organize first. The same thing goes with tools and equipment. A lot of people buy all sorts of feet and extra sewing machines you sell a sewing machine but you forgot to give them all the feet and now you have these two yeah, random extra feet i don't know what to do with these or people buy extra feet and they never use them like i don't even use a zipper foot really i have a by the way shameless plug i have a very short uh 
tutorial video called sewing hack how to sew a zipper without a zipper foot y'all probably won't approve of it but i'm too lazy to switch out zipper feet just why i don't sew professionally um but things like that you can go look through it's it's time consuming but it will free up a lot more space and you'll have a better idea of what you actually have to accommodate right. when you plan out your sewing area and how many of us you know are found out to be the sewer in our group and then somebody's grandmother dies and all of a sudden it gives you all their sewing stuff with so much stuff and you're like I don't even know what this stuff is I have I have zippers that my grandma saved she pulled off of old garments mm -hmm. and I'm like why am I saving this it's rusted <laughs> I'm yeah <laughs> I have a few old things like that that I keep um in a little mason jar as decoration but other than that other than that not saving stashing yeah, things it's not worth it yeah so once you I will convince you to de-stash at least a little bit uh it won't hurt you to have a little less I mean think about it this way if you do not have it you can always go in pandemic notwithstanding and having uh, supply chain issues you could always if you really need it you could always buy another if you really really needed it but um most cases if you haven't used it in like a year probably won't need it I mean, I might give myself longer than a year because Maybe I know I have. Two or so, two, three years. <laughs> I, I, have, I have things that I've bought with specific purposes and I still intend to do and just haven't yet, but yeah. All right, here's, here's a good rule. Uh, if you haven't used it in at least the last two administrations. <laughs> I, I was going to say last administration, but uh, Brandilyn just walked off. <laughs> She's laughing too hard. I'm listening to you. But if you have it, I was going to say last one, but we just changed over. Um, so two administrations. So I went to go grab, <laughs> to go grab this. Um, part, so if you are watching, you can see what I'm showing. And if you're it, not, I'll read it to you in a second. I hope um, so, because <laughs> like, what, what are you holding up? But it's this comic is, book boards. This is what I use. So this is a comic book board. They are 16, or not 16, six and three quarters by 10 and a half inch. Um, it's thicker cardboard. than cardboard. It's they thicker put than cardboard. Books. It's thicker than cardboard, but not quite as thick as tagboard. Um, it's for cardboard. I mean, it's for comic books. It's for comic books. And as in the I bought it off Amazon for real cheap. Um, I think I ended up buying four of these packs that have a hundred each. I guess that's Maybe not true. I bought tell me two what you use it for. I bought two of these that uh, come with 100 each, and I still have quite a lot a of this one left over. I'm, I'm still waiting to find out what it's for. I'm very interested. Oh, oh, I'm to tell you. <laughs> Get to it. Um, <laughs> so I took my fabric off of, they were, a lot of it was in drawers, a lot of it was still on bolts. And I went one by one and I touched every single piece of fabric that I own. And that sounds wrong, by the way. That helped me. Don't touch other people's fabric. Don't fondle the fabric. Without permission. That <laughs> um, helped me discover what I had and what I still wanted to keep. And then I folded almost all of my fabric onto these boards. And these boards are the perfect height. Um, it gives you a few inches to spare in the Calyx shelves, which are the IKEA shelves that, that Kathleen is jealous of right now. Um, and they... I was able to just fold my fabric around it, which allows me to see a tiny bit of the fabric, enough that I can tell what it is and you know what the design is, but not 
an overwhelming amount that and it's contained and organized like books it's like having a bookshelf exactly it keeps it really contained and I was able to kind of organize by fabric type and fabric color so I have um all my wovens in one place and I have all my knit in another and I sort of I didn't like exactly rainbowize it but you know if it's red it goes in this area if it's orange it goes in this area kind of going for the dominant color and it just makes it easier for me to go and find it when I need it or especially my woven fabrics if I'm doing a quilt kind of see what will coordinate without having to go to the fabric store and buy new fabric because if you think about it that's kind of how they have it at the fabric store and they just have it on much bigger on much bigger bolts right so I just kind of reduced it down to the smaller bolt and I did not come up with this idea but um it works really really well well a good thing about that is you can actually make tags or write out where you bought the fabric from how much it was per yard uh, how to reorder and the name it, yeah I'm thinking for people who run shops they might you need could write it directly on the board on the board right that would be really handy that's a great idea it's way too late for me to do that She's already got it all wrapped up. It's pretty cool. It's but if you're pretty, to do it's that, all almost that. done. It is too late now. So once you've de-stashed and you figured out what type of what fabric and what material you want to keep, um, now is a good time to figure out how you want to lay out your workspace. So essentially, there's two components that go into workspace layout. Um, and I'm just saying this as an industrial engineer, but don't take this as actual. Oh, advice. I was going to say, <laughs> we, we're going to get into the industrial, industrial engineering. Uh, so you have to consider what you have to store. Okay. Three things. I'm sorry. What you have to store, what functions you need and how much space you have to work with. So that's why we said de-stash because you want to decrease how much you have to store as much as possible because the less stuff you have to store the more space you have for working or for setting up stations so the third consideration is the the workspace now if you have is it long and thin do you need like a galley style layout is it large you lucky bastards do you have a small corner like i do um or do you have a, a medium-sized room like what Bremlin has those are all considerations so if you have a small corner, you're going to have to be a much, much more efficient on storage, how much you're storing there and where you're storing things and then where, how you set up your, um, your workspaces. Like you won't be able to have a separate cutting space from a sewing space from a pressing space. It's just not possible. You're going to have to have a system that you can easily click in and out on your like one universal workspace and be able to move things aside so that you can move on to the next task. If you have a large workspace, don't talk to me. I hate you. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> um, so from that, uh, what Brandon was doing was she's been getting into using uh, design space. It wasn't. Affinity designer. Affinity designer, sorry, not design space. Uh, but it's a, very, it's a fairly low cost, one-time payment uh, program that seems to be about equivalent to Illustrator, except it doesn't have a size limitation. So it's more useful for a one-to-one -one scale. Same thing with Inkscape, which is free. Uh, you can download that for free. Uh, there is a little bit of a learning curve for either one. So if you are interested in doing this, um, I'll, I'll, I'll connect the dots first before I do the little shameless plug to our tutorials. Uh, you can essentially make a layout of your room and a one-to-one. -one. And then 
measure all of your uh, equipment or your tables, for example, and do a layout like that, kind of like what they do architectural layouts. Brightlands was super complicated, she showed me. It like had door swings, it had double walls to show the wall thicknesses. I would just do like, okay, if so, you had a rectangular space, just measure that rectangular space. <laughs> so yes, this is where we show all of my neuroses here. But um, I love- I don't know how she had time to do this. I love doing this kind of stuff. Um, and it was faster to do it this way than the way I normally do it, which the way I normally do it is I draw it out, um, which is actually- and You have to scale. It's quicker to draw it out, but then you have to erase every time you change something. And so- even though it took me a little bit longer to build it originally in Affinity Designer, it was really easy to move things around and change things. Yeah. And so, yeah, I included things like door swing and exactly where my um, windows are. and or where your outlets are. Where That's my outlets good. are, where my fan slash ceiling light is. Because I wanted to be able to lay everything out um, exactly where I wanted it. I wanted to plan, you know, if I'm going to have a projector overhead, and she does videos, so she needs um, ideal lighting conditions. So what you're looking for is called SVG software, Scalable Vector Graphics. That does a one-to-one -one where you, if you build a, um, a rectangle, you can tell it how many inches or feet you want it to be. So if you're going to do a 10 by 10 square room, you don't have to scale it down. You just go, okay, make a 10 by 10 rectangle. That's my room. I mean, square, but not rectangle. So it's a special type of rectangle. rectangle. And then, okay, I have a three foot by one, two and a half foot sized cutting area. I need a table to be spaced out. We'll make another rectangle for that and then place it in and move things around. Uh, it or, you, it, oh, so two things. First of all, what she just said, the SVG software, those are those things that she listed earlier, Inkscape, Affinity Designer, Illustrator. And then yeah, the other thing do is- Illustrator though. I'm sorry? Don't do Illustrator though, because Illustrator has a 250 square inch artboard limitation. So it's not good for rooms. You'd have to do scaling and that's not fun. Right, yeah. Well, Trust and me. when I did it by hand, I would have to do scaling too. Yeah. Anyway, so but the other thing is when, when you lay it, when you make these little pieces of your room, you, can, you make them separately and then you can move them around where you want to digitally in the room. Or if you're doing this on paper, what I would do um, a lot of times is I would make them on a separate piece of graph paper and cut them out. And then I could move them around. The problem there when you have small children is- And they grab all your pieces. Or you also, get if you bumped. scaled wrong, you're in trouble. Yeah, or you get bumped and everything falls off. But um, <laughs> yeah, but it's really, really helpful to do that before you actually start physically moving furniture around to figure out where things will go. Or like I knew I wanted to buy some more of these Ikea shelves and I wanted to know were they actually gonna fit in this corner where I wanted them to? And how much of a dead space was I gonna have in the actual corner? And mm -hmm. so I was able to lay that out. Um, I, could, I went on Ikea and got the dimensions of the shelves and laid it out exactly how I wanted it. And before we moved in, I knew exactly where everything was gonna go in this room. Now, every once in a while, whenever you, so, this is all 2D, right? This is all as if you were standing on your roof looking down into it. Um, so every once in a while when you get things in 3D, it's a little bit different and you're like, oh, actually that doesn't work there. But it's much less likely when you've taken this step than if you just sort of throw things in there where you think they're going to make sense. And so the 
the, sorry to interrupt you, but the industrial engineering standard is to do a, a layout first. Before you actually start moving things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I mean, that's what I always do when we move. Every time we've moved, I've had a little scale model of the house that she's getting you know. and my in-laws made so much fun of me the first time and then the second time they were like where's the drawing <laughs> but do you know what I was thinking you could use your projector and be like pretend you're in a war room and be like project the you can't do it for the whole room but like to have a bigger area to look at it'd yeah. be so cool you're like you pretend you were in like a, a action movie like okay we're gonna do an assault over here and <laughs> And over here, we're going to have the entry point and we're gonna have the cutting station here. But then if we do an entry, <laughs> anyway, that, but that'd be really cool. I'm going to do that when we do our kitchen so I can show my husband. I'm actually going to project it, put it on the TV. Yeah. Because we yeah, have yeah. a big screen TV. Um, but so essentially what you want to do is take your measurements, get it fairly accurate. You probably want it within an inch. Um, if And then make sure that you know that you can't have things like super uh, built in standards so we're talking plus or minus an inch error if you're going to do built-ins you're going to have to be much more accurate so just be aware um but you can use svg software inkscape or design space i don't recommend illustrator if you're really nerdy you can use um autocad or solidworks because autocad is meant for architectural or mechanical drawings but that's very my, expensive and I husband, paid for it. My husband uses SketchUp uh, for his carpentry uh, project. Yeah, because that does 3D stuff. Um, and that does 3D, which is really cool because you can see 3D what it is. But it's way more involved than I felt like I needed for what I was doing. Yeah, for a layout, you probably don't need quite that much. If you want to do, like, if you want to look at what it's going to look like uh, against the wall, you can do Yes, I've done that too. One. Yep instead of having a, a top-down view. I, I have to keep explaining because I, I don't know if y'all understand it because it's, for me, it's like super simple, uh, but apparently it's not always super simple. I think it, it depends on the way your brain works. Like my yeah. brain very easily will walk in and kind of start visualizing where things can go. But some people- Not everybody, especially- Yeah, some people's brains don't work that way. And so something that my grandmother does, which is really funny, but totally works, um, is, well, this was pre-2020. Maybe this is not a thing anymore. But she would take toilet paper and roll it out to be <laughs> where the piece of furniture was going to go. To mark it out. I mean, to that's a valid out. way of doing it. I, uh, I've done it where I've actually used painter's tape and marked out the size of... That's the post-2020 I mean, option. Um, no, no, I did this. I did this when I used to work. No, I was teasing because toilet paper became such a thing. Yeah, don't, don't waste toilet paper. Uh, but I used to mark it out for a trial. Um, when I worked on the assembly floor and we're trying to figure out where to put things. And these are very heavy pieces of equipment and very expensive and expensive to move. So we did the layout. We said, okay, we like this layout. We're gonna try it out first for spacing. So we marked out things, tried it out for a week without the systems in place because we didn't need it quite then. Right. Might not be applicable if you're trying to set up your sewing space. Maybe if you're thinking about getting another piece of equipment or I another- I think it makes sense too um, if, you're, if you're trying to fit, furniture. like, can I walk around this? Yeah. Um, you know, physically, if I'm gonna, if I'm trying to set up my space where I can go from my sewing machine to my pressing without having to stand up, can I do that? 
scoot over on my chair. So that actually brings us to the next topic, which is other things you need to consider is physical limitations, either of yourself or the space that you have. So some of the big things that both Brandon and I have to worry about is being shorter. So you might need to accommodate for a step stool. Yes. Uh, I, I told my husband I want one of those urgent. library ladders on my shelves here. Um, he said he didn't think it was, you know, like sturdy enough to hold it, but I think it'd be so cool. He could just build another thing on the outside. I mean, yeah, he could. Yeah, probably good won't, luck. But he yeah. could. <laughs> but I just have, I have a, a ladder that's three steps tall that I yeah. keep in here and it's ugly and I hide it whenever I'm doing videos out of the shots. You, sometimes you need it. So you it need works. to account for having the space. So if you're going to make aisleways and you're okay with having narrow space, you need to make accommodations to put a step stool if you can't reach. Uh, generally, from an ergonomic standpoint, you don't want to be doing a lot of overhead lifts for your arms are super over your shoulders and you're extending your shoulders because you could have, especially when you have, get older, I'm not going to comment on how, how old is older, but you can start having rotator cuff tears. Uh, we, we saw a lot of that when I was working uh, as an industrial engineer. So the solution is to either get step stools or reduce the height for where you have to reach and load uh, because you don't want to rotate tear. I heard it's not very pleasant. Um, so you have to think about that. I mean, especially for things, people who have a hard time standing, they might need wheelchair access under work tables. So you can't stand and cut, for example. I mean, I don't like to stand and cut. I don't like standing to do anything, honestly. <laughs> I'm super lazy. Like I have a sit-stand table for my computer and I tried, I had it for like a week and I tried it and I'm like five minutes in, I'm just like, oh, this is, whew. oh, I'm tired. Ooh, I'm oh my gosh. <laughs> I could not work at the grocery store. So props to grocery store workers. Oh, there um, was a thing but, about Aldi giving their cashiers chairs, but yeah. Chairs, yeah. I like, um, okay, I do I like standing to cut because I am so short. I feel like it gives me you need their leverage, leverage, but I have an anti-fatigue mat that I like to stand on. Yeah, that might be smart. I mean, but you might need to accommodate for that in the space. So uh, we're not giving specific guidelines just because everyone's space needs and what they have is different. It's just things to think about. Uh, you know, generally, if you need a wheelchair or a walker or some type of assisted device, it's 36 inches or wider. Um, I'm saying this generally, so don't get mad at me if it's not exactly right, because I sort of wrote this up in like 15 minutes. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> we're both busy. But if you keep 36 inches, which is basically width of an accessible door or wider, um, depending on the state you live in or the country you live in, you'll have plenty of workspace. Walk, walking space. Now the problem with that is now that's eating into your actual workspace. So you have to balance these two. Um, so because I don't need a lot of those, I mean, I don't need the space for a wheelchair or yet a walker. Um, I can I generally, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, <laughs> generally I go for more 24 inches um, in my workspace, but my husband doesn't like that. I mean, he's, and he's not a huge guy. He's a pretty average size, but he doesn't like, like that narrow I don't like having to walk sideways into things. I have I have a wide hips, so my butt like knocks over things all the time. I'm more wide front to back <laughs> than wide than side to side. So going forward is fine. It's <laughs> doing that sideways thing is harder for you. So yeah, don't worry about that too. Um, and then 
I think the last thing I have is that we have limitations on the weights of items stored up high. Like you definitely want to consider not storing heavy things up higher. One, you have that rotator cuff issue. Two, if something falls on you, you're going to get knocked out. And three. three, you need to balance where the weight is, especially if it's not a You're going to want the heavier things at the bottom so it doesn't tip the, the piece of furniture. Yeah, that's, that's a big concern, especially if you have little kids like we do, little climbing, naughty kids, that no matter how many times you tell them, it's going to kill you. They don't listen. If you can't see, I'm nodding right along. <laughs> she's not, she's oh, nodding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but that actually is one of the reasons that I have the, the, the boxes of fabric on the bottom of my calyx shelves and the open shelving up at top because it's a lot harder for them to grab a toehold with that box in there than it is if it's just the open shelving. I also want to say something else about the physical limitations and, and stuff, but respond with what you're going to say. No, that's correct. Okay. So something to think about when we're thinking about layout and physical limitations, um, and this goes a lot into, in my world, kitchen design, and I don't know, Kathleen has way more of this background than I do, but you want to think about work triangles. You want to think about, um, it's a real, generally, it's a really efficient way to lay things out for things to be out in a triangle. And so if you're going to be sewing, pressing, and cutting, can you make those three things in a roughly triangle shape? Well, no, in a triangle shape, because those are the, your three points. How far are those sides of your triangle that you're going to be walking? Does that make sense for you? Um, you know, do you cut once, but then you press quite often. So you want your pressing station maybe closer to your sewing machine than your cutting station. Um, I, I have that a list lot of that workflow. Is, oh. <laughs> she just jumped ahead like three topics. <laughs> no, keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt your flow. Because it, I will, but to, in my, in my brain, it relates to the layout and to the physical limitations. Because mm -hmm. if you are not easily able to get up and down out of your chair, you're going to want to set your pressing board right next to your sewing machine where you can just spin your spinny chair over to it. Or if, what would you like to call it? It's a spinny chair. Okay. I call it that a wheeled chair, not a wheelchair, a wheeled chair, a chair with wheels. Yeah. But then they get threads all locked up. In them. Anyway. Um, and you want to be thinking about those things as you're kind of doing that, that workup of your layout. Oh, so many, yes. so many steps apart, basically. It's, I think it's three to five steps apart. And just, but I mean, and it might need to be your space might limit what you can do with that. Um, like Kathleen used the word galley earlier, a galley kitchen, you know, is a different kind of triangle than a U-shaped kitchen. And it's going to be the same thing with your workspace. You're going to have to deal with the limitations that you have, but figuring out the most efficient way to use that is one of the reasons I love to do those layouts ahead of time. Sorry for jumping ahead. No, that's okay. You're, you're fired. <laughs> no, I need her because she's going to edit this season. <laughs> <laughs> We're taking turns editing season. Yes, if you notice a difference in, in editing style, it's, it's my turn so, this season. It's probably going to be so much better. <laughs> it depend on how much time I have. That's okay, so next there's, there's a whole idea of having storage. Um, Brennan already shared a really great idea on how to store your fabric, but um, how do you store your, your tools? Because I kind of have it just in a jumble. So I have, this, 
when we were in the old, old house and I first got a craft room all to myself that I got to have designed the way I wanted and, and was able to start working in it. And then, you know, like less than a year later, we moved, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I wanted these Kellex shelves because I wanted to be able to store my fabric where I could see it. Before I had them in drawers and I had the drawers labeled by color and that was a little bit helpful, but it was still hard to see exactly what I had. So getting the fabric up vertically in these Kallax shelves where I could see everything at once was super helpful. And then for tools, I have these small buckets that go on hooks that go on a bar and the bar is attached to the wall. This is also from Ikea. And you should get sponsored by Ikea. Right? I don't know. Basically, I just went to Ikea and I told my husband, I was tired of waiting for him to build me all the things and I was going to Ikea to buy what I wanted. (laughs) Um, So that's why everything came from Ikea originally. But Would you have to watch our assembly video, by the way? It's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Like the drawers were upside down or something. Yes, it was upside (laughs) down. Anyway, so she bought stuff from Ikea. We should Uh, get sponsored by them. Yeah. But, but I have, um, so next to my sewing machines, I have four buckets and those I keep in the small tools that I use when I'm actually sewing. The, you know, feet for my sewing machine, the screwdriver to put them together, the thread snips, the, what do you call those things? Uh, tweezers, you know, all those sorts of things. And she then- These are motion with her hands. <laughs> it helps me think. And then over by my cutting table, which here, if I scoot over, you guys can see if you're watching on YouTube. Um, the buckets I'm talking about. I have scissors and rotary cutter and they're like, yeah, anything easily within reach. Mm-hmm. You stand on the one side or the other of the table, right? Do you not buy well, where the bar is? I stand on the side that doesn't have the projector on it currently. Oh duh, I forgot the projector's there. So uh-huh. she's so she's just reaching to her left to grab it rather than reaching over the table to get it. Yes. Um, which is quite smart because you can hurt your lower back trying to reach over that. Or much. if you didn't put your rotary cutter away correctly you could you could stab yourself, yourself on it I'm not saying that's happened before but maybe it has I, I um, have cut myself with the rotary cutter. <laughs> so there's ideas I mean you could also use something like a pegboard setup uh, yes. have a wall I, I had a pegboard a... for a while and that was really helpful and then something else one more thing I wanted to mention that I find really helpful is um part of my cutting table which is actually something my husband built for me um it has three <laughs> really really wide drawers they're very wide and very deep I see that. and those are really nice for storing those big wide things that you know um, your really big rulers your um your uh uh slightly smaller cutting mat that maybe you take to different places um if you're working on a pattern that you're self-drafting which I did for a very short time and I really need to get back into um but you know, that big piece of paper that you're working on and you need to put away for a little while. Um, if you have something cut out, start started to cut out, but you don't really want to quite fold it up yet, it'll fit in there really nicely. Um, but so, it's- so so if you if you want one, I think uh, it's, it, what what's the YouTube name for your husband's? Uh, I don't know if it's, it's one of two. It's either Daily, which is D-A-I-L-E-Y, Woodworks, or The Recreational Woodworker. So either one, either one, uh, just contact them. He'll do custom pieces. It's he will. And he he says, he says that he's going to build me a new one. And when he does, he's going to make plans, but he said he's going to make plans for a lot of things. So 
maybe if someone but maybe if, yeah if you bug if, if you bug him and you want one a plan or you want one he does custom work too yeah he does i mean Bradley would not be opposed if you paid for a hundred thousand dollars for one of those i mean I would, just saying no. <laughs> he's like, ships, go, he's go back to work the, he ships all over the contiguous u.s continue the the 48 contiguous that's the word yes u.s so yeah, I, I always lose out because I never can ship any of this stuff. But the only reason I got this cutting table is because he built it for me before he started the woodworking business. It was back when so he was still just a hobby. Right. Yes. But if if you want one, as, oh yeah, he's and very you, willing will, to, to make them for people. Who he pay. will make it for people who pay. Yeah, <laughs> since Brandon doesn't actually pay, <laughs> she gets a family discount. She's she's on the bottom of the list. Pretty much, yeah. That's how it works. So uh, next I have, we already covered the material storage, um, but if you don't want to wrap it or you have, I, or you have a lot of fabric. So if you're selling to make, you can put them on, I've seen um, long rods that people put and they have just have it racked up on the wall. Um, and just, they just keep it on the bolts which you, there's lots of places, examples you can see it, like on Instagram, you can look up other um, makers. I think uh, Kathy Petrovsky, who runs the um, Business of Sewing Facebook group, she has a really nice setup. You can go look at what she's got, or you can join the Business of Sewing Facebook group, but you can go ask people like, hey, can you show me how you set up for bulk fabric? And there'll be plenty of people who have really nice ones. They're super proud of it and they'll show it off. And then there's ones that are like, I need help. And they take a picture, like, please don't mind the mess. Like, we already automatic, we don't mind the mess. But you can do that. You can ask for help and ideas. And people send you pictures for storing material. Because that's one of the main things for people that have to store a lot of material. Like, where do you store all of it? Yeah. And then Same the thing next with- thing on your list is patterns. And I have two ideas for this. The first is, um, before I started using my projector, I would use a big circle hole punch. Um, it was like, it was either three quarters of an inch or a full inch. And I would punch a hole in all the pattern pieces. And then I would use a pattern hook. That's what they're sold as. You can buy them on Amazon or mm-hmm. wherever else. Um, and it's just uh, kind of like the hook part of a coat hanger. But instead of so. the triangle, there's a string coming down with it and a little T at the bottom. And you slip it through the hole that you punched and then you hang it up. And I had it hanging on a, on a, like a closet rod in my old craft room. But that's now, how they do it professionally. And that's like the professional the tag board. But it works really well. It's very efficient in space. And then the way that I do it now is I keep them all digitally because I use my projector and I don't really use any paper patterns anymore. I'm going to tell you a secret. I don't even print my own patterns out. When I test, when I design patterns, I just use the projector. Yeah. If you have to trace something off for whatever reason, you just put it right back into the pattern and don't even, I don't even keep the paper. I, I don't use hardly any paper anymore. The other option you can do for patterns is have file hanging file folders mm-hmm. and put the patterns folded up into those. And then um, I actually, if you join the Projector for Patterns Facebook group, or actually you can join my Facebook group, I'll put it up. It's this um, Sewing Sunny Mountain Patterns Facebook group. In the group file sections, I put printable, um, folding hanging folder labels that you can actually put your labels on and you can custom put it on if you have adobe acrobat pro which is the paid version so you can print it out because i i can't read my handwriting if i label things it's just <laughs> and then you just if you or if you have um if you have a cricket machine or a, 
one of the other cutting machines like um, Cameo, you can load it onto the program and then write down what you want because it'll do the pen feature and then cut it out for you and bing, bang, boom, just fold it and put it in. Uh, for a very long time, pretty fun. Here, I had a label maker. And so I would just use label mix. Yeah. But those are all ways of holding your pattern. Now, machines, actually, I want to bring it up because a lot of professional sewers that sew for production have multiple machines. <clears throat> so they have setups where they have like two servers, one with dark fat, dark uh, thread, one with light thread or neutral, you know, so that they don't have to read thread. Because every time you have to read, we set up it takes time uh so i asked retooling is the thing retooling is a it's it's a pain i asked the projector for sewing group i also asked the business for sewing group and none of them answered yet so nobody gets a shout out from that um but cindy cash said that she would have her machine set up at 90 degrees from each other so she could just swivel around she calls them swivel chairs so there you go everyone and then she has a pressing uh right behind her so she can just go from regular sewing machine to surger just by turning. That's um, how I have my space set up right now. I have my regular sewing machine at a right angle to my serger and right next to that is my cover stitch. And usually when I'm sewing, that's that's how I, the cover stitch, I can scoot over for that because that's the very last thing I use usually. I can easily go between the, the other two machines. Yeah, so I mean, machine, machine, machine uh, placement is essential really. I do have, um, actually have them side by side when I have it set up. So I've got a regular sewing machine and then my, you can't see my hand, a regular sewing machine and then a, um, the serger next to it, uh, just because I have a slightly wider sewing table, but my sewing table doesn't have any knee space unless you open it up, but it's missing a wheel. So I can't open it up without it falling over onto <laughs> me. So I'm just sitting there with like my, I have to make sure I do the, the, uh, what do they call it? The man spread Yes. <laughs> with, your knee, with your legs on the chair. Um, it's not the most comfortable, so I don't recommend it, but some people like to have it aligned. Some people like to have it one corner to the other so they can just turn. So I it used to have mine, like. I used to have mine all in a line and the way I set up this room, I, I, it's actually sitting on my quilting frame. The, the one that's the regular sewing machine, but it's the one that I use for quilting when I quilt, so it, it works. Um, but I really, really like this whole 90 degree thing. And in fact, I told Robert that I want him to build me a new table and a little- The corner More of table. a bell shape. Yeah, yeah, it's a, a shape or corner table if you're looking for furniture that'll fit the bell. Um, you know, once you're actually sewing, especially if you're production sewing, you've got to figure out where you want to put partially completed work because uh, just draping it over the serger, probably not a good idea. I'll tell you that, because I accidentally cut some of my fabric once surging because I had the other piece draped over. Yeah, I can see how that could tragically Don't happen. get very happy. <laughs> That's where I really like those wide drawers that I have under my cutting table. But yeah, what are some other ideas? I thought you would have ideas. Oh. <laughs> I only do one by one, so I don't really have to store, um, you know, a temporary uh, table that you can fold out and put it on next to where you are is really nice. But sometimes you might have to just use your pressing station as a storage. So I have this quilting frame that I don't use super often anymore. And so a lot of times that becomes my countertop. But I was also thinking a tote, my, like a tote bucket 
might work yeah. really well. I've, I've seen other people saying they have buckets where they put all the pieces for that size together and then they just move it along. And if we're talking about a smaller scale, like the other day, the other week, I made a doll for each of my girls. And so in, I, I used a gallon size baggie and put all the pieces for the one daughter in that and then for the other daughter. And I, I, I have them that I keep in my craft room that are disgusting at this point, but I have several gallon size baggies that work really well if you're doing quilts. So like all the pieces for one quilt block go in, in yeah, one bag. Like small pieces. But I, I mean, you can have stations, which is our next topic. You can set up stations. If you have the space to have separate stations, you might just have one station that can be your cutting, your um, pinning area, your pressing area. At the same time, I mean, you can't obviously cut and pin. If you could, you're an octopus. Congratulations. <laughs> um, and then one area for sewing. For example, it's going to be much harder if you have to, you only have one table right. for everything because you're going to have to constantly move the machine off. You're going to have to put the cutting back. Such and let me just say, I did so, that for a very many years and I'm sure Kathleen has done it too. Yes. So this is, we didn't like magically get to the spot where we have no. all this space. It took a long time of, of sewing in that very unorganized and very frustrating way of just having I mean it was my dining room table and so yeah. I didn't have a lot of space to work and anytime it was time to eat I had to clean it up and well, yeah, yeah. Yep, we yep. just we, we ate on the coffee table <laughs> at the dining table for my slipper sewing I mean kind of depended on once we had kids we kind of had to go to the table to eat otherwise there would have been food everywhere but yeah. it's food everywhere no matter what for me so it doesn't <laughs> matter well, I mean that's a but you might want to point Kathleen but you might want to think about setting up stations mm -hmm. at the minimum I would say two just so you can have you don't have to keep because your sewing machines are that probably the heaviest equipment you're going to be working with that you're going to be having to move if you have workspace so if you have a projector then you might also need a dedicated uh, cutting space but that doesn't mean you can't use that cutting space for pressing um, by the way don't be like oh I can just press on top of the real quick on top of your cutting mat. Oh, nope, you cannot. Not a good idea. Not get one of those little plan. get one of those little tabletop um ironing boards. Towel does not cut it, trust me. I've already bent one of my cutting mats and Brandilyn's already had an incident with her cutting mat getting uh, deformed. Uh not by her. No. She had some there was, help. <laughs> there, was a, there was a child involved in that one. Um, she was trying to help. She was she was trying to help. It was a very sweet idea that was a very bad in execution. Um, so if you if you have children and you want to know how to sew children around, we are our first episode of the first season actually talks all about that because we both have we both have problems with it. We got stories. <laughs> but uh, one one thing that I used to do a lot and I still do sometimes depending on what space I need um, is I have a board. It's a square. It's probably about two feet by two feet. Um, that was an offcut. It was actually a mistake from something my husband was making, and I just took it. Um, you could have lied and just be like, "I stole it." I did. I mean, I, <laughs> uh, but it's from it's the bank. Like no one like would know. Three quarter inch uh, plywood, and I wrapped it with um, a couple layers of batting, and then some uh, fabric, just some white muslin fabric, and then I also stole three like 
when he when he cuts out a circle with a hole saw, there's a pretty perfect circle left over. And so I stole four of those and I screwed those onto the bottom. Perfect. So as as feet. Mm-hmm. And now I can just set it down on top of my cutting table and press on it. Pressing. I still usually take my mat off um, when I do that because I'm a little bit terrified she's now. Pro- she's protective of our cutting mat. Well, I mean, after you have, yeah, you have incidents. You well, uh, so having having flat um, surfaces that you can move on and off of things is yeah. a good idea. Uh, remember Josh Schwartz from I think yeah. I don't remember which episode it was. Uh, it was a how to ship massive amount of things from your house. Uh, he actually has a bunch of comic books because he's a huge comic book nerd. But what he did was for storage, he found all of the same height boxes and put them on the tabletop to store all of his comic books. So you can do this for your, your fabric pieces too. And then what he does is he gets a card, not a cardboard, a, a big sheet of plywood that's flat and puts it on top of it and makes a, automatically makes another workspace. Yeah, that was a really brilliant idea he had. Um, So from that, you can also think about getting things visible storage. So uh, clear plastic boxes with tops, so you can still use that surface the boxes are taking up as another workspace. Assuming it's appropriate height, like you don't want to be working with your hands up by your eyes because it's going to be hard on your shoulders. Or you don't want to be having to bend over because it's too low. Um, sorry, I've moved if the mic volume changed, but you can get visible storage, like those clear tote boxes with lids and just make sure that they're all, don't be like me and try to get it on Craigslist and like you have a mix of mats that are all different sizes, like get it all the same height. I know the, the cheap take in me likes to do <laughs> I, that, but like the organized that. person in me so hates when they're all the wrong size. Uh, but do those and then you can easily see what's in it or you can label the outside or do both. Unfortunately, this means you might have to go out and get a few more supplies, which I have never heard of any. Most women are like, oh, yay, you to buy more stuff. Depends on the stuff. Don't care about buying toilet paper, but. <laughs> uh, anyway. But yeah, it does help to have things where you can see them. And so. Um, if you can't have it open like I have my fabric, then having something in, you know, I had those clear drawers for a really long time. That was it also helps keep not time. ideal, but worked really well. So. Yeah. Uh, but ideally, it's going to be like the bookshelf, like what Brandilyn has, because it's easy to pull out what you, exactly what you want. If you have it in a big tote, you're going to have to dig through things. And, uh, and if, if you've ever like folded laundry and left the laundry in the basket, then you know exactly then, why yeah. that's a problem. <laughs> Because I was just going to mention, if you're like my husband, when he's looking for something, I fold all the laundry and he don't put it away. And he's like, I need underwear or I need pants. Well, the pants are on the bottom. So he just pulls everything up and you have to refold it all. And it's very frustrating. So I, I, I do things. not refold it all at that point. Just want to say you unfolded it buddy it's your job you're a problem no he will not fold it and put it away ever like we're spending a lot of time on storage because that's actually really key because you can't just get rid of everything you still need supplies so uh one of the storage ideas for tools i think we already mentioned was pegboard or um like brandalyn's bucket idea with the rail uh you can also do something called shadow boxing which is probably more time consuming than it's really worth for us where you oh 
Yes. Basically make an outline in foam for every tool set. Every tool, like you can't put the snips in the big silk. Like, I mean, it's kind of, but it's really obvious that's not where it belongs because that's not the outline. My husband and does this in his, in his wood shop, but he doesn't use pieces of foam. He just puts block of, blocks of wood there. He traces around the tool and then puts blocks of wood. That will right, with, the, with it cut out, right. I mean, you could do that too. It's just the foam thing serves two purposes. One, it's easy for people to cut out. Two, uh, it protects what you're putting back in from getting banged up. And three, for when I used to work um, for an aerospace company, these are things that uh, like Kenamet or something would actually sell as systems. So they actually laser cut it for you so you don't have to do it yourself, but that's kind of expensive. Um, but it's an option if you want it to look really neat and cool. And then another thing that I do for a lot of my organization, especially of my notions, is I like to use mason jars or other like um, milk, milk bottles and things like that. Things that are clear, clear that I can see through. Um, make which, sure it's easy to get out though. Right. Yes. You don't want the little tiny narrow bottom. You're shaking it, trying to get. So your... I do have, I do have a few things out. in the tiny narrow tops, but they're like a really long piece of ribbon that I can just grab the end of and pull it out. Mm -hmm. Most mm -hmm. of them I have in the wide mouth ones that, that. You know, I can stick my hand in and grab what I need out of it. And at one point, I had them where the lids were screwed into the top of a bookshelf. And then I could just, and then you just unscrew it through the jar yeah. on and off there. Um, but now I just have them mostly sitting on the shelves. Yeah. Yeah. Or magnets are good. A magnet, like those magnetic knife holders are good to hold scissors and stuff. If you don't have little kids, maybe you have little kids. Uh, not a good idea because they just grab it. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what, yeah. I had an incident with knives. Um, so we already talked about organized fabric storage, but uh, let's and then recap uh, on where to get ideas. Kathleen, yeah, Kathleen mentioned going to Instagram for ideas, and that's a really good idea. Um, you can Pinterest. You can go to Pinterest, yes. But then a lot of people have um, YouTube videos of of their studio tour, craft room tours, yeah, or something. And I did I did that in my old space, and I will do it again in this one once I'm done, which might be next year, but, um, <laughs> I will never, I will never be done. So I'll never give a tour. <laughs> I mean, doneer than I am. How about that? Um, but it, it's, it's a really awesome place to get ideas. And especially they have like, um, people with, with those big pieces of fabric that she was talking about people who sew professionally will put theirs on there and then it'll be, you know, next to somebody who sews in a corner of their bedroom. And so you can get a lot of those really different ideas to put together and figure out what will work in your space. So some keywords you might want to use when you're searching, because all of these have search engines, uh, things like workspace or studio or atelier. I don't know how to pronounce it with the French. They don't say a lot of letters, they print out. Um, what, what's, other, what's another word for sewing? Uh, sewing space? And then I would add the word tour if you're doing it on YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're but doing, not everybody in Pinterest does it that way. Or if setup. You're on, if you're doing it on Instagram or, or Pinterest, I would do more like setup or um, organization. Yeah. Yeah. So just remember to keep in, in mind, they might not necessarily call it sewing area or workshop or craft room. They might, but if you want to broader, if you're not seeing what you, what you need, you might want to broaden out your search right. terms. And I'm starting to sound like I'm at work. If you go and you search for it on Google, and then from there, 
break into the smaller places like Pinterest or Instagram or YouTube, sometimes that somehow works better. So next, another major key is lighting. Yes. You need to be able now to this see, is especially see. important to me because I make videos. But even if you're not making videos, you do not want to strain your eyes trying to find which black thread you actually mean to pull in whatever you're doing. Dude, you're going to be mad when the sleeve falls off. When the what? <laughs> when the sleeve falls off. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, lighting, you might want to think about areas that you might either need good overhead lighting. Do you have a good window? I'm pointing to the front of me because I have a window. Or task lighting. Uh, will you have space to put task lighting? Like I my setup for when I film uh, tutorials for my patterns is like, I have a bunch of lights, like just, I have like six lights because I am not pleased with how it lights up when I'm actually filming um, under the sewing machine. Not to say that you necessarily need it to actually see what you're doing, but you might want to think about um, having space for a task light and getting a task light. The LED lights are really nice because they are, um, they have some worth a little gooseneck that you can move around. I don't know what you use. So I have sticky LED lights on mm, three, on two of my sewing machines. I need they come up under the. Really and nice. I just stick it in the heart of the sewing machine. Yeah, mm -hmm. those are really they nice. Go, it sticks to the bottom of the arm. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry, I hit the mic. It and sticks then, to the bottom arm. And I then got I it from Madame Sews. Where did you get yours from? I think it, it was on Amazon, but it was like a, it was a small shop on Amazon that was, that specifically makes these for sewing machines. It might have been Madame Sews. Sewing. Oh, Sewing Love or Sewing Notions. Maybe something like We're that. We're horrible with this. this We're never going to get a sponsor. This was like six years ago that I, that oh. I bought this. So I don't really remember. Um, They're very nice. Except mine fell I have, off. I have a bunch of windows in here too. And I, I kind of planned around where my windows were whenever I was setting up my workspace. And then I have the big overhead light and I had to buy a new fan for this room anyways. So I made sure to get one that had four lights oh, coming off around. rather than mm -hmm. one globe. That's and then funny. I have a couple of, I have a desktop lamp. that's a really bright LED lamp. And then I have just a floor lamp that is not so bright. She's and got more lights than she has sewing machines now. And then I have another light that I use a lot for filming. That's a, a ring light that can really vary the color and intensity of the light. Which is nice. Um, but if you just need it for to actually see, then you might want to get a task light, a good LED overhead, and then see if you can um, leverage windows. Not everybody has window. A lot of people have a sewing basement, as it were. Mm -hmm. So you, you might want to think about those three styles of lighting. But as much natural light as you can get will be really helpful. Yeah. The thing is, you want to be sure that you are leveraging it in a way that's helpful, not that's not going to, you know, quickly, quickly degrade your, your fabric. And in a way that is, um, that, that is, you know, if you're looking directly at the sun while you're trying that's to sew, you might not get the most useful. out of your life. It was coming from one side or the other, uh, preferably the left side, because the sewing arm is there. Right. Um, or the body of the sewing machines there and it will cast a shadow versus having the light come if it's to the left of you then you can actually see I mean y'all probably won't forget about that because everybody who sews is necessarily aware of yeah. having to be able to like remove the pins on one side versus or have the pins go in the correct direction for when you're sewing but it really so helps to have idea. blinds or curtains to help kind of control that light too you want to you want it 
you want it, but you want to be able to control how much of it's coming in. Which Brylin has um, blinds. I don't. I don't. So I when do I move blinds. to a new place, I will not. But the blinds yeah, came has with blinds. the house. <laughs> so now we can actually get to the topic that Brylin was trying to jump ahead to, which is workflow, and then we'll go to maximizing small space ideas, and then we'll wrap it up. So um, it's important when you make a workflow to have a triangle. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard this before, <laughs> um, but you also want to remember you you want to be able to get to your ironing or pinning or cutting and sewing areas easily. Like you don't want to have to work, walk tenderly sideways between things. Um, my auntie actually professionally makes ceramic dolls, but she has like, and she has a, a workshop and everything, but she's just got so much fabric that she has to like kind of, she has a little uh, walkway to get to everything. So if she was actually having to produce a lot, that would be really hard for her to do. She does like one-off custom things. Uh, but I think her workspace would be improved if she just had a little bit more flat workspace and she didn't have such narrow walkways to go through. For workflow, don't forget to leave space for your body. Yes. To safely go between all of your workstations or safely go get supplies. Yes. However and, much space that might be. And you. if you, if you have the space in your room, um, and if you have the ability to have the furniture to do this, it is really helpful to have a countertop basically. And like I said, I use my quilting frame as my countertop most of the time. And you have to be really careful with this because it will very quickly just be pile up of junk. Yes. Yeah, you have to be disciplined about it. And in fact, I need to clean mine up right now because it has certainly become a pile of junk. But it really, really helps you to be able to have that flat space to put things in. Yeah, so just just keep aware that you might want flat space and walking space uh, for workflow because it's no fun trying to pin a bunch of stuff on the little one inch or two inch space you have before your sewing machine there or to shove the sewing machine aside every time you need to do something. I have done that. Because yep. um, I didn't want to move my camera when I was filming tutorials. Yep. <laughs> uh, but if you, if you don't have to do that, film tutorials, then make sure you have a little flat space. Easily but here's the with thing. Easy walking. If you don't have the space to do this and you do have the mobility to, to do this for a very long time, and still now, I use the floor. Yep. It is a very nice... Flat, open workspace most of the time. Just keep it clean. Because yeah. I couldn't use the floor for a while because I had like dog hair. It works better if you have a hard crackers. floor surface than with carpet. But yes, because yeah. I have pinned to the carpet. And you try to pick it up and you're like, uh -huh. and you're like what? Oh. Oh, I pinned to the carpet. Or, or I sit cross-legged and I sew um, on my knees and then I would <laughs> sew my <laughs> pants into whatever I'm making yep. for like hand sewing. So good just be, yeah, just be well aware. So now I, a lot of us, despite either having a business doing this or having, you know, been doing this for a while, you all have small workspaces. So here's some ideas to maximize small workspaces. I mean, other than like just pushing everybody else's junk out of your way, uh, that's completely valid. Yeah, yeah. If but your family lets you get away with that, go if you for it. If, if you take somebody's bed, they might not be happy. So to maximize work, small workspaces, um, a lot of things you can do is think vertically, which is where it comes into needing to have step stools if you're short like Brandon and I. Uh, 
but you can have storage that goes up like Brandlin was showing that Ikea shelving that went pretty much to the ceiling. So you have more space. You can also think about storage uh, with pull-out bins that are under things, like uh, maybe you have some dead space under your cutting area that you can put in. And you can use available horizontal surfaces. So the same idea that we had from the mailing episode with Josh Hortz is having storage that's all the same height and then put a, a sheet over it so that you can use that as cutting. And something that really works well if you're sharing space with a bed in a bedroom is to have under the bed storage. And a lot of times you can get risers. Um, I live in a college town, so they sell these all the time, but they usually sell these um, during like the beginning of the school year, if you don't. Um, but they're bed risers that you can use to make the bed taller so you can fit more underneath it. Or, or make a, um, a lofted bed. Brennan's going to have a lofted like king size bed in our bedroom. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so you have all that space. Or, I mean, if we're going with shameless plugs here, or you could have my husband build you a Murphy bed, which are really cool. They take up a lot of vertical space, but they don't take up any floor space. space. So when you, when you put it up, you just have all that space. So you could have, like, if you had a guest room that you wanted to convert, um, or you already use, you want to reconfigure a sewing space. So you can also increase storage by at, by selecting, uh, tables and workspaces that have storage built into it, like what Brandon has for her cutting space, she's got those drawers. Or my sewing table has sewing drawers. I think you have a old singer. I do. Yep. Um, right there. Table. <laughs> yeah. It has a little, it doesn't have a lot of drawers, but it has some drawers. Unlike getting like uh, one of those nice uh, fancy mid-century modern tables that have no drawers, like right. be like, no, 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 you must have drawers for me so to consider using. My, my table, my sewing table that my machines are on doesn't have drawers underneath, but it's got a nice big open space that I very often put drawers, coats underneath. Yeah, um, you can put things under too. My um, quilting frame has a set of these. These are Alex drawers. Um, if you, she's pointing at drawers. If, if you're, you're not listening, able to see. Google IKEA Alex drawers. Um, and there's a set underneath my quilting frame too, that fits just barely underneath there, but it works. So what you can also do with that, like those are, I think you can get ones that can get rolled around, is borrow space. So you can have things that are collapsible. So like a movable sewing table that can expand or expandable table. Um, that pops up. I'm actually looking at getting one of those. And you can borrow a space if you're, say, in your dining room or your living room. Borrow a little space for when you need it and then collapse and put it away when you don't need it. My one, or actually, I have two caveats to that. Number one, if you are using a projector, um, projecting onto a space that has leaves or that collapses can make it really hard. hard to calibrate because it needs to be really flat. And then number two, if you are using a heavy, heavier duty sewing machine, especially, um, it's going to wobble. Be careful the table you put it on because the rickettier the table is, the more wobble you'll be dealing with. Yeah. So if you need to borrow a space, I would suggest you set up uh, permanent for your projector or your sewing machine, but then use the borrowed space for layouts, for example, like you right. or a pinning area or a pressing area, something that's not critical that it's super sturdy and stationary. Because yeah, that's what that's what I do. It bounces on a on a folding table. Just to let you know it, when it, you're it, sewing. It gets scary. 
<laughs> and I have a metal sewing table, so it's a wood top with a metal underpinning and it still bounces. So that's that's our basic ideas um, for setting up your space because we're all going to be going through this. If you feel constrained, then you might want to first start off with eliminating what you don't need so you know what you do need to accommodate. Second, work on find out what size workspace you have and do layouts so you can figure out where your 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 uh, equipment and your furniture needs to go. Third, figure out what physical limitations you have that you need to accommodate for because you have to be practical too. You can't just have a pretty workspace. It's no use if you can't actually work in it. Fourth, you want to get uh, storage. So sufficient storage for not just the material you need, but also for the tools you need. So things like your machines, your little tiny tools. And something we didn't mention thread. Patterns. We didn't mention what? this earlier. We didn't mention it earlier, but thread, make sure you have thread. Oh. Your thread. Yes, that's other supplies. Yeah. I thought you said Fred. I was like, nobody else has my dog. My dog's <laughs> name is Fred. Maybe <laughs> you have Santa. room for Fred in this one. <laughs> um, Sorry, I threw you off. You, you were on the off lighting. I have to scroll down. So then also make sure you have enough space for lighting. So uh, this episode, you might actually have to do a little shopping to fill in spaces for storage, uh, lighting, and uh, better efficient ways of keeping what you have. And then also make sure you keep uh, a mind about workflow. You don't want things to be too far apart. You also don't want them too close together because then you don't have enough elbow room to actually work. And then, you know, maximize the space that you do have. So I know Kathleen said this earlier, but it, it is a really huge thing for me to use as much vertical space as possible. So, I mean, you can totally set up your workspace to be more efficient, even if you're already working at it. If it's not working for you or you feel like oh, you're too cramped, you might want to think about reorganizing. So the two main programs that we use for layouts, again, is Inkscape, which is free. I do have a tutorial on my YouTube channel, which is uh, Sunny Mountain Patterns. So you just type that in and type in Inkscape. Uh, I have a crash course of 30 minutes long. It teaches you pretty much everything you need to know as a sewer on how to do this. Um, or you can use Affinity Designer, which brandolin has been using. That's a very low cost. It's like $50 when it's not on sale. It's on sale, it's $25, one-time payment. Uh, but I don't have a tutorial for that. So I did, Brandilyn, do you have a I did. Tutorial? I don't have a tutorial for that, but I do have an episode where I went live and basically showed how I had planned to set up this room and, and a little bit of the setup as I was working on it. So, um, so watch that. Yeah. On her YouTube channel, which is daily, D-A-I-L-E-Y, shows and stuff. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Small Business Sewing Podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, comment, share, rate, all the things you can do on the podcast platform where you're listening. You can find us on Facebook at the Small Business Sewing Podcast and also in our Facebook group, the Small Business Sewing Community. Join the group to ask and answer questions and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. I have my dad does woodworking, so I just ask him to make stuff and then I never get what I want because he decides to do other stuff. Oh. So like I want a bench and I don't get I did not get what I asked for I get like this complicated I have a Game of Thrones looking bench that he made out of anyway.